Welcome to the Practice Podcast, conversations probing the nature of practice. I'm your host, Dave Firon. Well, if you're listening to this right now, you are looking at LinkedIn or Facebook, and preferably at my group in action research on LinkedIn or talking about practice in Facebook, little pitch, because that's where I keep an archive of the various announcements that I make about uh, the availability of the latest episodes of the practice podcast. Well, that's to say that I also look to find people whose profiles suggest that they have an interest of, of a nature that I have as well. Organizations, humans being organizations, leading and managing organizations, learning in and for organizations, helping organizational leaders bring about change. All of that is fascinating to me and has been for my whole career. So when I found Paul Gowan and we corresponded through the comment and messaging, I thought, wow, he's a young fellow with a very strong message. The Take Command Project, intriguing. So we talked by phone to become better acquainted. Now you're going to hear the conversation that followed the next day, which I've recorded for everyone's learning benefit. He's a really fascinating fellow, and we're going to hear why I think so. <laughs> Paul Gowan. I don't know how many of you are active on LinkedIn or take the time perhaps once or twice a day to do some scanning. I hope you do. I hope you are and I hope you do. Particularly if you're serious about any sort of practice. Now, LinkedIn is a community of people who are particularly serious about business, about making business work better. Therefore, the people who have to do that are their, are their subject, uh, their clients or their uh, students in my case. So it's a great place to be. And one of the reasons that I'm excited today to introduce Paul Gowan, uh, whose Take Command project really caught my fancy, is that I gave him a, a comment. And, uh, or perhaps even before that, I, I did a little search to see who he was, because it was kind of intriguing what he was saying. And that led to him saying, well, who's asking? And I said, well, let's talk. And we had a nice phone call. And hey, Paul, here we are. Then there it is. What was your impression when, when you and I made that first connection? I, some of the additional context is we connected at a conference for organization development. That's right. And in that room together, being able to see who is being present to the Zoom speaker or who is checking their email, playing <laughs> solitaire, doing the dishes, completely distracted. And I noticed that you were very attentive. You were very engaged, yeah. mm -hmm. uh, taking everything in. And I scan the room and I take a look like, well, who's it also engaged? Wow. And I saw you were very much right there. So then when we connected on LinkedIn, mm -hmm. I said, oh, absolutely. Oh, he's um, that guy. <laughs> well, it's because yeah. I've also seen the, the creepers that yeah. are just in there like, 
let me show you this cream that you can rub on your skin and it'll make your hair grow back and make your butt more voluptuous. Like, no, I I don't want the connections like that. I want to be able to connect to you, the person. Yeah. And and not be schlepped your stuff. <laughs> well, you speaking of uh, cream, I do have this. Let me show you. <laughs> As a matter of fact, I'll just show uh, you today, this 20 minute video. Today, we have a special. Uh, right, right. Yeah, right. there is. There's always that element and particularly on in LinkedIn. I mean, one of the serious reasons that people are on there is they want to be found and then therefore they want their business to be found. And therefore, right. they'd like to have people explore whether they want to buy something from them, whether it's a product or whatever. It's also a great way, I think, and I used to advocate it to my students to build uh an identity for people to say, oh, yeah, I mean, at least I've seen her on LinkedIn. Right. Uh, and, and, you know, given that, that was before uh, the, the huge explosion of social media and all kinds of ways can people show up. But, uh, you know, that story you just told about how you noticed me first, that got me an important job about 36 years ago. Oh, yeah? Yeah, because I was on the board of the American Society for Public Administration, and I attended we had our conference and I was on the verge of not having a, a job because the school I was visiting professor at just discontinued a department like oh. that. So I'm going, okay, but I will attend and meet my board obligations. I'll be quick yeah. on this. I attended many sessions and one of which was with an OB professor named uh, uh, Paul Denhart. And, uh, and I asked a couple of questions and made a couple of comments, which I always do if I'm interested in the person. And I believe that it's good for the crowd to hear me and not just, you know, hey, look at me, how special I am. I ask a question. Uh, and at, afterwards, these two guys were sitting behind me and one of them tapped me on the shoulder and said, could we talk? And I had a resume in the uh, room where we used to have to put out our paper resumes to be found. And a few seconds later, I realized that they were from here in Connecticut University of Hartford, public administration department. They were looking for a faculty person. Uh, and all that all led to me ripping my family out of Western Maine and bringing them back here to Connecticut, where I'd worked before. Mm. But it was a good thing. Right. And so now you and I talking because you noticed that I have genuine interest in ideas and people who have them and speak them, show them, demonstrate them. It's it's sort of been my theme. And it must be yours too, because I I think you wouldn't be doing this uh, take command project if you didn't have a huge curiosity about human, human nature. Am I right, Paul? Oh, uh, completely. And and I, I love what you're saying about, it's almost like we have this consumption culture Mm-hmm. especially as we're coming out of the pandemic that people have been in these meetings and allowed to consume and just receive and they can take whatever it is that's that's in in front of the the room even if it's the zoom room and there's a there's an a, there's another opportunity here for a collaboration for a contribution even as that audience member uh, mm-hmm. musicians might understand this as well. If you're up performing and the <laughs> whole audience is just sitting there yeah. deadpan in their oh seat. Oh my God, that's a horrible a feeling. It's <laughs> a special level of professional to still bring that energy and bring that joy. And that's possible. Yeah. What's magical 
is when you have that interaction between the audience or the crowd or the conference room that you're serving. Yeah. And there becomes this energetic exchange. I'm getting goosebumps just thinking about it. <laughs> um, and so to have that at the different levels of scale within our field, you know, in that one-on-one -on -one environment, mm. having those discreet, candid, direct conversations, mm. sometimes letting the emperor know you have no clothes and I love you so much. I'm not going to judge you. I'm going to get you a robe. <laughs> and we're going to take a look at cycling out some of your advisors here. Uh, or you can work in a small team environment or a room of thousands, tens of thousands of people. When you have that energetic exchange, you, you go into this place of collaboration and contribution and that everybody's better off. Well, you're, you're certainly talking not only my game, but I know what you mean. And, you know, I know what you mean with all my cells. That's, that's mm -hmm. a little different than someone else who may be hearing this and going, oh, yeah, okay. But when, uh, when you drew me the picture of having condensed, really, the moment down to realization between two or more people that, hey, something is happening here to each of us and because of each of us. That, to me, when all the years that I taught, over 50 years in various venues, uh, even as a dean, I taught, you know, oh, I wow. felt deaning was teaching. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. Learning wasn't always as robust as I wanted it to be, but mine was, I learned a lot doing it. But those special moments when uh, it, the magic happens, and nowadays, let's put it in larger perspective, Paul, mm -hmm. we are still work virtually here. Mm -hmm. um, mm -hmm. But a lot of people will be returning to their old familiar places. Now, one of the things you said to me yesterday in our call was that we're in a revolution, Dave. Could you talk a bit about that? Because maybe not everyone is going to be resettling back into their old places to work or even yeah. their old places to convene. Yeah. Yeah. I'm trying to think we, we had such a, a full and rich conversation of yeah. uh, going through the files and thinking about what we were talking about then. I th was it along the lines of we're, we're in a revolution of to, to change that energetic exchange, have a conversation of what it looks like to support your people and the people support the mission and then everybody wins. Is, is, is that what? Well, that's part of it. But mm -hmm. I think you also said that the, the, the revoltees or the revolters are going to be people who now think, why would I want to go back Remember to fight that commute and yeah. go to that office right, and, right. and be subjected to, I think it was, I'm using your words, kind of oversight when I've been working for over a year producing right. really fine results. With right, very right. little oversight. So maybe part of the revolution is that pushback. What do you think? There is. There, there's, there, there's a bit of a collision here for mm -hmm. people wanting to have a vote. Mm -hmm. When companies and the municipalities, uh, you, you mentioned the, the public administration, my undergrad's in public admin. Uh, yeah. So I, I love that connection too. So mm -hmm. whatever sector of our society, a global society, the decision to send people home and work virtually was not a democratic one. Mm -mm. That was a top down. We are shut down. Go figure it out. Mm -hmm. As the schools closed, mm -hmm. we are shut down. Here's your kids. Go figure it out. 
And so now in that space, there's, there's going to be a lot of gnashing of teeth because there wasn't a vote before adaptation occurred. Mm, yeah. We, a lot of us figured it out. <laughs> a lot of people figured it out. Yeah. You know, in, in the Marine Corps, I served for 15 years and you adapt or die. Exactly. Whether it's Darwin or the Department of Defense, mm -hmm. adapt or die. Yeah. Uh, and then that might be a fiscal economic death. That might be a physical health death. That might be a spiritual or an emotional death. That's adapt right. or die. Yeah. And so right now in this place of, you know, the executives and the management and the boards and the employees and the unions saying, well, what if we don't want to come back to work? <laughs> they're, they're starting to be these like clinching of teeth yeah, and you're like fired. this, right? <laughs> well, wait a minute. I can't fire you. Right. I need you. <laughs> right. And there's, there's an inversion here. And if I think out loud, there's an inversion that has been present since like the industrial revolution. Mm -hmm. You are going to be here. You're going to pull this lever at mm -hmm. least eight times per hour. Yeah. Otherwise you're not a good worker. No mistakes allowed. No mistakes allowed. It has to be perfect. We're going to have two or three or four levels of supervision. Yeah. Uh, and, and the great news is, you know, public admin has done a lot of work in understanding that that doesn't work. Yeah. And yet we still see it in these uh, municipal governments, the, the oh, bureaucracy yeah. of this over supervision. Oh, yeah. Where several layers of opportunities for authority to take place, for people to own a process. Yeah. It's not there. Because we've centralized control. And, and just for a moment, empathize as and I know that's what you're leading to. Because mm. uh, I drove by a crew this morning on, on my way back from the golf course. And I saw that. It's a little town. Uh, I'm sure it's not hugely bureaucratic, but I'm, but here I was. And uh, there was a guy down in, down in a hole, literally trying to fix something, you know, down in the hole. It was mm. hot. And he had one, two, three, four, maybe six or seven other people. Now, some of them were for there for safety, but I suspect that at least one and possibly two were uh, watching over the whole project. And he's down in a hole. And I kind of use that as an analogy for even those of us uh, faculty around the country. Uh, I'm, I'm very active next week in the our now International Organization Behavior Teaching Conference, and I'm sure I'm going to be hearing from a lot of people who are coming up the path that I had the wonderful ride on saying, uh, uh. you know, talk about who has the vote. What about faculty governments? We were told, right. leave, don't come back. Now they're saying come back, but in, for a long while they were saying, we don't know if you're going to have to be vaccinated. We don't know all of that. Right, so right. they're feeling very edgy about coming back. Uh, and right. then they also, for many of them, figured it out. And you begin to see it in the presentations that I looked at in the program, how to do organizational behavior learning virtually, how to bring people into engaging exercises virtually. Right. And then one or right. two over the little discussion groups that I've been involved in say, you know, I'm a better teacher now that I'm not, I'm not hauling my butt down to that campus through the traffic and getting into my classroom f with a minute to spare. And then about 30 of the f an hour and a half is used in preliminaries and, and, uh, and people starting to 
close their books, you know, 10 minutes before the class. Right. So right. to be all honest, I've got people's attention in a new way and I'm beginning to see learning results. Yeah, congratulations. So there's, there's part of that revolution. Now you're going to be is. working to support particularly managerial leaders at, at every level as you resume your consulting when you relocate, which I believe mm -hmm. you're doing soon. So what do you anticipate they're going to need from you as uh, take command project consultant, Paul Gowan? The situations and the challenges for leaders haven't significantly changed in the last 100,000 years. Well, before that, though, right. <laughs> we, we weren't around. <laughs> Maybe right. we were. Yeah. So yeah. nothing, all that much has changed for, for people who want to exercise leadership. Right, right. The, mm -hmm. One of the most significant changes that we're undergoing for the first time in all of human history is how we acquire knowledge. Okay. In times gone by, when you started uh, teaching, when I was a kid learning, <laughs> rub it there was in, not rub this it thing. <laughs> What's that? Rub it in. You were a kid while I was in the middle of my career. I'm following in the, in the steps of greatness here. Oh, yeah, I, I, I love exactly. it. I love yeah, it. Yeah, I'm, I'm sure. But I'm sorry to break off there, to make a crude the, joke. <laughs> there wasn't the internet or YouTube or these other no. amazing resources. I mean, this is, this is like, think about the architects of the Library of Alexandria. Yeah. And then we hand them a cell phone that has uh, orders of magnitude of information greater than the totality yeah. of what was in the Library of Alexandria. Yeah. So By for far. the first time in forever, the incoming generation is no longer dependent on the preceding generation for that acquiring of knowledge. Yeah. Yeah. You can push a lot of knowledge electronically. Yeah. I think where we are going to be really challenged right now is all of the associated manners, time management, mm -hmm. respect, procedures, wisdom, mm -hmm. those other aspects that we can't quite measure uh, outside of your number of subscribers and likes on a video. Yeah. We can't quite measure how much wisdom did you receive from this YouTube star, yep. from this Instagram idol, yep. from this TikTok person? Yep. We're not transferring that wisdom and that uh, how to have a, a challenging conversation, how to stand up to a bully, how to have these different aspects of first leading yourself. Yeah. When yeah. we're in this place of consumption of knowledge, that is a that is a positive thing as long as we then counterbalance it for how yeah. are we then sharing that knowledge yeah. how are we putting it in context of the wisdom yeah how are we still acknowledging and respecting those who came before us to pass down this knowledge it, that, we're in a, that we're is a slippery that slope is, right now i i agree with that that's that's a huge change and i'm interpreting it as as i now think in real time about it one of the ways that the hierarchy in companies and the military government, one of the ways that the, the authority and the power was sustained is that they tended to be a primary source of at least 
performance knowledge. You know, they were the ones who said, you know, we'll sign you a mentor, you know, all of that. Mm. And the other piece was they, they kind of had permission uh, to hold back or give to what a worker could actually get to pursue to know. Uh, you know, they would yeah. say, well, uh, well, we don't really, uh, well, someone would say, I want to, I want to go down the track as an engineer. I'm trying, I want to try out this sound. It's a, it sounds like a very new science, but it may have some possibilities. Well, you know, let's stick with what, what we know works. Uh, you know, you can do that on your own time. Remember how that right, phrase, right, right. own time. Right. But you know, you're, you're working and learning for us right now. We're on and company we're time right now. We're, exactly. And we're going to tell you what company knowledge should right. be. Now, right. I, that scenario, I don't think, given what we just said about a revolution and also the fact that these revolutionary people who are deciding whether where they want to be in their life, they have phones, they have access. And from what I can see, they also get into conversations with their peers or others that are well beyond anything that, that we can once considered normal conversations because they true. can get on, uh, you know, a, a global chat. Mm -hmm. uh, using Zoom, and it was un inconceivable right. when I was teaching right. just a few years ago that any one of my students from a working class city, you know, in a college named after its region would be comfortably communicating globally on behalf of her team. This is someone I had a podcast conversation with a few months back. Mm -hmm. She's telling me, oh, yeah, well, we, we watch the time because our folks in Asia, you know, they have to be up at 2 and two a.m. in order to talk with us, blah, blah, blah. So comfortable, so easygoing about it. Right. And, and she was pulling together results for a small drug manufacturer in New Jersey. And I'm thinking, this young lady, yeah. eight years ago, I was telling him, well, you know, someday you're going to have to take more responsibility for your learning. <laughs> so Here it's it kind is. of exciting, isn't it? It is. It is. And there's a way to leverage technology because I built a virtual business before the pandemic. So yeah. that aspect wasn't uh, as challenging for me. The, the piece that we run the slippery slope with here is if we attempt to substitute leadership uh, or lead by email leadership uh, by technology instead of through technology. Ooh, and yeah. there's an infamous case of a, a CEO looking out into the parking lot and unhappy with the number of cars that were there in the morning and the evening, put out this decree of you will do this. And I'm taking away the break room and I'm taking away the lunch and I'm taking away these things because I'm not seeing that people are here. And oh my gosh. <laughs> what a train wreck. And the guy ended up, uh, I, I followed up with him and he ended up staying at the helm of this company. Uh, massive wave of awareness for him. And the attempting to lead through that email by chastising the entire company. Yeah. Uh, it, was, it was supposed to only go to the managers, but something like that. Oh yeah, that anything goes leadership. to anyone anywhere now. There's no such right. thing private email. Right. Mr. Right. CEO, I think he's learned that lesson. Right, right. Yeah. But, you know, that's a great case in point, though, Paul, because one of the things you did tell me, and I wanted you to have a few moments to talk more about the philosophy of your consultancy, is that the first thing one has to do is to take full charge command 
of their self, their own behavior, their emotions. In his case, he got pissed off. The, he got pissed his, off. Uh, his lack of physical presence with the employees coming, you know, from uh, out in the clouds somewhere. All of that started with with him looking out that window mm-hmm, and making mm-hmm. a very bad use of his spirit, mind, and body in right, that moment. Right. So is that where your coaching tends to start and continue right first and foremost with how you're taking charge of yourself? It, it is the, the basis of the program. Mm-hmm. Now, if I come in and say, hi there, Mrs. CEO, we're going to get you squared away because you're, you are messed up from the floor up. <laughs> After oh. we get you squared away, then we're going to square away your relationships and then we're oh going to get to your bit. Oh yeah, my. I don't know how long. No. I would be able to stay in that uh, in that room. No. So one of the, the opportunities here is to really take back the leadership that was compromised, as I, I think in real time, the leadership that was compromised in the Industrial Revolution. Mm-hmm. In, the, in the times of apprenticeship and mm-hmm. mentorship, a young person would become adopted in some cases. Yeah by the the master violin maker or the Mm -hmm. master blacksmith or the master whoever it was. Mm -hmm. And in that space of learning that trade, learning that craft, you also learned how to be a better man or a better woman. Yes. And in the industrial revolution, we sacrificed a lot of that humanity because we just needed somebody to pull over. Yeah. We we plucked them away from people like that. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. And so, in meeting with business people and hearing a business concern, a business need, a business challenge, a business struggle, I'll hear it. And then I start looking. If you want to create that change, lasting change, transformational change within your team, within your organization, within the whole corporate structure, it must start with you that leader must. And I'm very selective with my language. It's one of the things I love to geek out about and the etymology of words and what they, what they really uh, stood for, you know, four, five, 600 years ago. Yeah. Must is a very specific word that it absolutely 100% has to be required in order to achieve this next level of success. No, no quibble on must then. Right, right. And, and if it looks like they will quibble and do what I always do when I know that it's something I should be doing, but I down deep, I know I won't. Did, did they still try to play you on that or, or are you firm and get them back to must again? It's, it's one of those adapt or die moments for me. Yeah. It's not that I force adaptation within my client. It's me. I adapt. Because oh. the, the next step in this take command process, first is you take command of yourself. Yeah, yeah. How are you sleeping? How are you eating? How are you exercising? How are you resting? How are you believing? How are you emoting? How are, how are you? Mm-hmm. Because when you focus on that first, you can then bring the best of who you are to that relationship. Yeah. So when I have somebody that's pushing back, it's not for me to... Uh, demand that they conform. That's not the best of who I am. That's some of the stuff about how I used to be. Out there. All right. <laughs> maybe that's, transformed as well. Right, yeah. Right. 
So I adapt and recognize right now might not be the right time for the conversation. It might not be the right place for the conversation. Mm -hmm. It might not be in front of the, uh, in front of the right people for the conversation. Mm -hmm. The transformation must occur. It's going to take time. Wow. So then when you have that transformation in your relationships, taking command of how you show up in those relationships mm -hmm. during those relationships as well, especially during the conversations that might yeah. ruffle your feathers or get under your skin or light yeah, your fire. They're going to be difficult conversations. There's no right, question. Right. Yeah. And the, and the same piece that some of them might be exulting, exuberant, uh, absolutely wonderful. How you take command of that energy as well is also very important. Yeah. Yeah. And then some relationships monetize and that's what we call business. Yeah. Or some relationships are focused towards a larger goal or ambition. Mm -hmm. And we could call that a mission mission. Yeah. So when you go in this order, every time taking command of your life, it creates a solid foundation on which you can build those relationships like a house, like your yourself mm -hmm. is that solid cement slab. And then you build those relationships. You build that house on a solid foundation. Mm-hmm. And then in that house, it provides that shelter and that opportunity for people to come together and accomplish that mission, advance that business. When you go in that order every time, that's how you get the cultural transformation. That's how you get revolutionary revenue instead of looking at how you can just uh, exact out some expenses. Yeah. Wow. That now you we're running on the, on the edge of my time allotment here, but uh, you you um, you you exhibit confidence that if you're engaged and you are given enough time to adapt so they can adapt to you, that there can be some extraordinary results for the person and his or her business. I'll give you a moment to brag and without mentioning a company or client by name, can you think off the top of your head a time where that really, really worked? And today, mm -hmm. that business or nonprofit mm -hmm. or whatever mm -hmm. is performing much better. Uh, absolutely. Uh, one of my clients, I've worked with her for a number of years, mm -hmm. uh, first started on the, the individual one-on-one -on -one transformation mm -hmm. and started also working with aspects of her business and she had been a, a successful businesswoman, uh, one of one for about 20 years mm -hmm. and was reaching this ceiling that yeah. she needed staff. Yeah. That's, so that's we, a critical moment. <laughs> right. So we can't do it alone started, anymore. Yeah. It, it's so true. And what we started with was for her to take a lunch. She was working 10, 12 hours a day and not taking any breaks. Oh dear God. So we started with taking a lunch, uh, and then added staff, then added uh, your business hours for you will leave no matter what by this time so you can rest, so you can come back the next day feeling fulfilled. Mm -hmm. uh, and now she just bought a brand new property, uh, has two staff members. We're looking at hiring uh, some more practitioners within the next 12 months to help her wow. business grow. I don't even know the full financial return. Uh, it's got to be the, better or she wouldn't right. be employing people. <laughs> right. And the mm -hmm. interesting thing about this client is in the middle of all of this, uh, one day we got on for our, our regular call and, and I could tell something was bothering her. And I, and I said, you know, I'll call her Nancy, Nancy, uh, what's going on? And she goes, I just left the doctor's office. I said, okay, is everything okay? And she goes, Paul, I have breast cancer. Oh. 
I don't know how I'm going to tell my husband. Oh my God. So we worked through that because in that space, there's no discussion about the business. No. We've got to cycle back all the yeah, way to all the way from yourself. The yeah, with we're her, gonna with take her running herself. You. Right, yeah. right. And wow. then we're going to take a look at how to bring the best of you to your relationships with your now medical staff, yeah. medical team, yeah. as well as your support team with your husband and your kids. Yeah. And because we went through that process in that order, life, relationships, business, her business continued to grow as she was facing cancer. Well, that Good news is, is she's been cancer-free for, uh, what, a year, two years now? Oh, I love that story. It, it yeah. you know, and it sums up who you are now that I've met you. Uh, we still haven't had a chance to shake hands in real time because we've been conferring first virtually and now virtually. But you know, there is a way of having a handshake in a conversation, Paul, and that is when what you the story you shared gives me a lot of hope for the work of organization development consulting, and you, and also. People will change if they work very hard, as we work very hard on keeping ourselves fit, well, and and sensible about mm. ours. So yeah. thank you, thank you so much. This has been a, a really great conversation, and and uh, you know we're we're going to meet someday. Uh, if not, we can find each other on Zoom. It's going to happen. And thank you so much for having me, Dave. I really enjoyed this. Thanks for listening to the Practice Podcast, where we discuss practice with a capital P. If you'd like to hear more, listen in on Spotify, Automatic, and Apple Podcasts, or go to inactionresearch.com slash podcast dash page. And if you'd like to learn more about social inaction and the nature of practice, head over to inactionresearch.com for more information. Thank you for supporting this show.